This week, you will hear from Pastor Bill Wilson on a new number will bring challenges. Now here is Pastor Bill. This is the day the Lord's made. We can rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning to all of you. Great to see you. Since I saw you last, I've been in six states and a couple of different time zones, so I think it's Sunday morning, and I think I'm in the right spot at the right time. Our grandson turned six this week, so six states, six, six years old, and uh, he beat me in basketball. I don't know how that all worked, but uh, he seemed to think that his score was better than mine, so we uh, went with that. And our daughter Christy and her fiance Randy Hockey announced uh, they're getting married in January. So that's good. Get the checkbook ready, Joy. Credit card and all that. We're excited about all of that. I want to thank Pastor Heather and uh, Pastor Matt for sharing with us in this series called A New Normal. And uh, appreciate their great messages. We're able to hear portions of them while we were away. Uh, did a great job. And so we're going to continue this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to take and open up to the book of Joshua. Joshua, the sixth book of the Bible that we have. And um, I just want to say that I'm so appreciative of the dedication that the Deacon Board of Portland Christian Center has uh, in our uh, current makeup of this board, they are just all really serving carefully and prayerfully, and thanks to all of them. Uh, this week, you'll probably receive a, a letter of update, uh, and uh, we want to keep you informed. They have uh, not only gone through a number of uh, names, potential names of lead pastor, but they've actually done some interviews with a few uh, potential candidates. And as of today... Uh, the Holy Spirit hasn't brought a unified sense that this, any of the people that they have been in interviews with are the right people at the right time. So in all that to say is your continued prayers. They'll give you a little bit more detail. I want to thank them for their hard work. We meet again this Thursday, and uh, they're covering a lot of territory and doing a lot of heavy lifting. So thank you for your prayers. You know, um, one of the... Uh, not everybody's designed for this, but one of the uh, great joys is to teach Sunday school to children or to work with kids and helping them understand the Bible. And um, there are some classic stories in the Bible that every children's Sunday school teacher has enjoyed trying to, to help. Some kids think the Bible stories are cartoons or made up uh, stories, but they're actual events that took place. So most of us who are perhaps at an age where we went to Sunday school as kids can remember certain stories. And although we may not know all the details, when we hear the titles, even people who don't read the Bible make reference to some of these great biblical stories. Stories like Noah and the Ark. And if you ever, by the way, are in uh, uh, Kentucky, you might have a chance to go to the Ark Experience which has been reconstructed to the actual size of the ark, three levels, it's uh, quite fascinating, and a lot of biblical information. Moses and the burning bush. That was one of the great illustrated Sunday school lessons when we burnt down the church and uh, by trying to reenact Moses and the burning bush. David and Goliath, 
Who doesn't know about David and Goliath? People who don't even believe in the Bible make reference to David and Goliath. In the business community, they talk about David and Goliath. Daniel and the lion's den. I still remember that. And the picture storybook that my parents had of Daniel sleeping with all of these lions around him. Great stories like Jonah and the whale. Jesus feeding the 5,000. Jesus healing the blind man. These are great stories whether you use technology to explain them to children or you use the old flannel graph where you cut things out or you hand kids pictures of this and they color for 45 minutes or whatever it might be, you're reenacting it. And by the way, some of you do have this gift. And I just want to say the church as a whole, not only Portland Christian Center, but across the country, need to re-enlist volunteers again to work with our children to help them understand the Bible and to see how it applies. And if God speaks to your heart and stirs in your heart this desire to be involved, I know Pastor Heather would be more than happy to receive your application. There's a process to go through for uh, the safety of all of our children, but we need to grow in this area and certainly their support. So today, added to that list is a story that uh, is as dramatic and as memorable as any of those that I've already mentioned, and that's found in in the book of Joshua chapter 6. It's Joshua and the walls of Jericho. Joshua and the walls of Jericho. Even as we read the text, I feel the rumble and I sense the rattle of these walls and feels like being in an earthquake almost. Look at verse number 1 of chapter 6. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites, no one went in or out, I should say, or not, and no one came in. So let me read that again to get it right. No one went out and no one came in. Verse 2, then the Lord said to Joshua, see, this is an interesting statement. There's a theological truth here and a practical truth as well. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its kings and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for how many days? Six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, he says, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. Now, even as I read this, I, I, my mind goes back to singing in a, my public high school choir this song, Joshua Fit the Battle of Jericho. Jericho, Jericho, Joshua Fit the Battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. We sing that in a public high school in our choir. Then God says in verse 5, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Verse 6, so Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant. Remember, that's the presence of God, the plan of God. The, the Ten Commandments were in that Ark. Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry, trumpet, the tr carry trumpets in front of it. Then we come to a key line I'd like you to just hang on to for a few moments today and maybe get it into your spirit. 
because I think what, I'm going to give you a strategy here, a spiritual strategy, a Holy Spirit download on dealing with challenges in your life. That's what's going to come out of this text today. And here's a key line. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. One thing I have learned in my life, Joyce said, don't get too close or you'll fall into the water today, so I'll try to be careful. I asked where the high dive was, but they evidently didn't bring that one in yet. Uh, one of the things that we're discovering in this new normal is new normals bring challenges. Anytime there's a transition in your life, anytime there is, is something that God's getting ready to take you into, get ready, there's going to be a challenge. There's going to be a challenge. Some of you are coming out of that challenge right now and you're rejoicing. Some of you are in the challenge right now and you're praying. And some of you are getting ready to go into the challenge and you don't believe that the challenge is coming. But I'm just telling you this new normal is going to bring us all challenge. I'm speaking out of personal experience, but I'm speaking prophetically as well, that there are challenges anytime there's a new normal. And we come to Joshua chapter 6, and we see a narrative here of the challenges that the children of Israel, who were following God's will, and were excited about stepping in, this generation of stepping into the promises of God, <laughs> and guess what? It's not smooth sailing all the way. There's a challenge. In fact, some theologians believe, and Bible readers, that the book of Joshua is an Old Testament model of a New Testament experience. Let me talk about that for a moment. In other words, when you read through these stories, you're looking for application because it's not just historic information. And sometimes we re recognize, here's a picture, here's an example, here's a model of what happens in the New Testament believer's life as we move through the book of Joshua. And it's also interesting that the equivalent of Joshua in the New Testament is Jesus. That's what the name is equivalent in the Hebrew. Jesus. Jesus takes us from an old model, a sinful pattern, into a new promised normal in our lives of freedom and forgiveness. And in doing so, we read through Joshua and we see how God's taking a children of Israel, a generation out of the wilderness. They've gone across the Jordan at flood season and they're stepping into God's promised land. And you as believers, you who accept Christ as your personal savior, God takes you out of the wilderness of sin and brings you into a promised land. Do you get what I'm saying this morning? And in doing so, there are adjustments that come. There are challenges. And the first challenge for the children of Israel was a place called Jericho. Very interesting city called Jericho. Uh, Jericho was a, a city of antiquity. Some, th this is what my study discovered. I didn't know this, so I learned something new. Considered this to be the oldest city in the world at the time. The oldest city that was still standing in the world. 
It was a place of fragrance. It was an oasis coming from the wilderness into the promised land. It was a vast grove of palm trees. The, The gateway of the Canaan land was Jericho. It was a city of antiquity. It was also a city of enormity. However, think about this. The city of Jericho would fit on the property of Portland Christian Center. Now, there's approximately 13 acres that we're sitting on today that was purchased over time. It was uh, originally designed to be housing, a housing development. There were seven different owners of this property. And over time, through the blessing and, uh, pr- and the benefits of God, God put a package together, and one by one, all of those uh, buyers or owners sold uh, the property into one piece of property that Portland Christian Center would take over. Uh, the, the back road, the exit road, the reason that road is still there is because that was the only access to the house that was up in this part of the property, to my left here, and the city could not take that street away. We're grateful for it because originally the only entrance was going to be off of Dosh Road. And so we were able to keep that road through the park. That's our property. Takes us right down to Beaverton-Hillsdale Highway and gives us an exit if needed. The corner property owned by Mr. Henningsen, who never lived in any other house in his entire life, was born there, had no brothers or sisters. His parents both died there. He stayed in the house. It was worse than a third world home that I've ever been in my life. I'd walk down there and uh, knock on the door and He'd take me through the little kitchen with a classic uh, stove, and then he'd say, sit down, and I'd have to figure out where I was going to sit down because there were stacks of stuff everywhere. One day he complained to me that his TV didn't work, so I went and bought him a brand new television and took it down there. What were you doing that for, Bill? Because you wanted him to watch TV, and I was trying to help him know that he needed to sell the property to us. (laughs) Finally, Pastor Ray Noah and the team were able to secure that we, we purchased the property, but he said, I'm going to live here until I die. And we just, well, we won't tell you what we prayed. Anyway, <laughs> Mr. Henningsen finally, finally passed away, and the property's been developed. And wow, you guys did such a great job. Every time I drive up, I can actually see the building. For years, we never saw it. Now, how, the reason I got all off on that was that's, this is about the size of Jericho. It wasn't that big but it was rich. It, 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 had, it had, interestingly enough, two walls. One wall, the first wall, was six foot thick and 20 feet high. Then there was an inner wall that was 12 feet thick and 30 feet high. And in between those two walls was 15 feet where the guards would walk, and at every gate there were guards and watchmen 24-7. So in that time in history, this was an impossibility for anybody to invade Jericho. And it was the first oasis of coming out of the desert. The most unimaginable, unspeakable issue in this city was it was a city of iniquity. I want to help some of you right here. Because sometimes when we read the Bible and especially the Old Testament, and we see that populations are wiped out, it may 
it may uh, cause some to have a uh, incorrect view of God. But I want you to know that Jericho, Jericho, this city, God had reached out to this city many times. But I want you to realize that it was a city of witchcraft. It was one of the most immoral uh, cities in history. The depravity and their immorality are unimaginable. I cannot even speak about some of the things that went on there publicly. Uh, They would sacrifice their own children into a fire. They would throw their babies into the fire to satisfy their gods. And God tried to reach out to them and give them a better way. And they continually resisted. And because of the fortification of Jericho, when the children of Israel walk in, are you with me now? I'm not trying to get too deep here, but I just want you to understand, this seemed like an impossibility. And this is what happens when a new normal comes. We are challenged and we often immediately think this is an impossible situation. Joshua 6.1, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. You got that? That's the way it was. The challenges and the obstacles stood between the children of Israel and the promise of God. And sometimes God will give you a promise. And it doesn't happen the first day, the first week, or the first month, or the first year. There seems to be an obstacle between you and the opportunity. And this is all a reminder, a reminder that God is at work. And I wonder what is standing in the way of what he wants to do in our lives in this new normal. God has a plan for your life and my life, and God has a plan for our church, and God has a plan for the country. God is at work. On, uh, On March 12th, 2020, one of my dear friends uh, got home from an international trip and became very sick, very sick. Uh, His wife finally took him on that Thursday to the ER, and they uh, diagnosed him as having a severe sinus infection, perhaps from his international travel. Maybe he was just worn out. They prescribed him an antibiotic, but by Sunday, he was in much worse condition, and they had to take him back to the hospital. My friend was admitted into the local hospital, a good, fine hospital, and they began to do everything they could to help him stabilize because his body was shutting down. His son, also named Greg, Greg Jr., as we'll refer to him, lives in San Diego, and he's a top surgeon. And he was 1,400 miles away from his dad and mom, but he was on the phone trying to figure out what's going on and what would be best. He couldn't get there. Uh, Their daughter, who uh, was also a wonderful caregiver, was in another part of the world, and they couldn't fly home. So they were monitoring the situation, and within days, his oxygen level began to drop seriously, and they diagnosed him with COVID-19. They put Greg on a ventilator, but he continued to decline, and the hospital doctors decided, with Greg Jr.'s consulting, that their hospital was not equipped to take care of Greg Sr. with his COVID-19. 19. They had to induce him into a coma uh, to get his body to stabilize. And they finally made it a very serious decision that they would place him on a helicopter, 
a medical helicopter and fly him to the closest major medical center in the region that was well-equipped. Greg Jr. had already called ahead. He knew one of the great doctors of this hospital. They agreed that they would be willing to accept Greg Sr. And they flew him from his community, the 40-minute flight in a helicopter, wondering that when they landed, if he would still be alive. In moments like this, you feel the tension and the pain and the challenge. He's in a coma. His body is not responding to medication. He's been diagnosed with what we'd consider the worst case of COVID. He's already come through other moments in his life when he had near-death experiences medically. And now, what are you going to do? I remember when we got the word, Joy and I, every night before we would go to bed, would call out Greg's name and pray over him. And every night we would go on to Facebook and get Greg Jr.'s update of what was happening with his dad. I'll never forget those moments just a year and a half ago. How, how difficult they were. People like Portland Christian Center and others who were aware of this across the country were praying for my friend Greg. Life brings with it challenges, a new normal. Look at verse, or I should say, Look at what Jesus said in verse, or I, let me go back. Look at verse 2. Then the Lord said to Joshua, this is a prophetic word from God, see I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. That's a prophecy. It hasn't happened. You see, sometimes God tells us things that are going to happen. If you're, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is working in your life and if you are truly what we call Pentecostal, and I believe many of you are, you should be aware of the fact that God oftentimes alerts you to what's going to happen before it happens. We call it prophetic words. Sometimes God will speak over you by uh, using someone else with a prophetic word. He will, he will give you a word for right now or something for the future. I believe that sometimes when we preach, any of us who stand behind this, this uh this table here to declare the word of God, those who've already spoken and those who will be speaking, that God will download a prophetic word to speak to us and we shouldn't just pass it off as if it was just a nice idea. So I, I have to say, as I look across this audience this morning, that God is, and this is a word, God is at work when you don't see him working. God is doing something when you don't know that he's doing it. He's just, all he said is, I'm going to get you through. And you say, I don't know how he's going to get me through, but I'm going to stand on. I mean, he's going to get me through. It's a prophetic word. And what he says to the children of Israel here, see, I have delivered, Jer see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. And they're standing there. What? It looks like a, a walled city to me, a walled city to me. You know, Jesus said in John, I'm coming back to what I was going to say earlier, Jesus said in John 16, in this world you will have trouble. How many of you could say amen to that? Come on, I just saw my PGE bill. Amen. I just had to pay the taxes in the county. I have more than trouble. Trauma. In this world you will have trouble and trauma, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Everyone has difficulties in life. A few years ago, we had the fruit flies of Portland decide to live in our house. <laughs> All of them. 
I tried to warn them. I tried to warn them about joy. I tried to tell them that if you get on the wrong side of joy, you're, you're dead. For the next few days, it wasn't a pretty sight. All I got to say is joy with that newspaper in her hand and those flies. You think, ah, oh, that's small stuff compared to my friend Greg. Some of you faced challenges. I remember walking into this building a few years ago, and uh, it was an evening, and I, I think it was coming out of a board meeting, so I was pretty joyful. Board meetings are joyful, despite what you've heard. And uh, I saw a young lady I had known since she was a little girl. And I didn't realize she was walking into our building. And I, I called her by name, and I said, how you doing? What, what's going on? She said, I'm coming to a class here. I said, oh, really? I started to think, what's... And I remembered. It was a grieving class. It was grieving for more than a loss of a, of a parent. She was grieving having, as a teenager, had an abortion. She was going through that. This, many years later, she was still struggling with the realities that she had aborted a child in her late teens. And she struggled through it. That's a challenge. Trying to move into a new normal for her. And praise God, that class really helped her. I've seen her many times since, and God has opened up the windows of heaven in many other ways. Sometimes it's a financial problem that we just can't work through. It's a, it's a challenge, you know. You can't just go and take some money out of the bank. You know, the kids think when we drive up to the bank window that they just hand out money. I had to explain. They don't just hand out money. They don't just give it because we're smiling at them and saying, how's your day? This is uh, sometimes financial. Sometimes it just doesn't come together. Obtainable goals you set for yourself. I, Joy and I are both coaches, and we, set, we help people set goals, and sometimes they set a goal, and at the end of the year, the goal wasn't reached, and they, they feel like, I didn't meet the challenge. I, I thought I was going to do this. Health issues, whatever it might be. But when you begin to see obstacles as opportunities that God puts in our way, the story begins to change. What seemed to be a, a, a stumbling stone becomes a stepping stone in your life. What seemed to be a problem becomes a possibility. What seemed to become a test becomes a testimony. What seemed to become a barrier becomes a building block in your life, and God takes you into a new normal, and you begin to have victory in your spirit. The walls of Jericho. Verse 3, march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. Does that sound illogical to you? This is why it makes such a great Sunday school class for kids. I've actually been in adult services where people said, we're going to do a Jericho march around. And I said, well, you know, I'm not that kind of person. I don't know that I want to. And watch people walk around the building believing God to bring down a barrier. And so it says in verse 3, march around the city. God sometimes purposely goes against human logic. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, God. What month is it? November? I'm still here? What's going on? Lord, yeah, besides the Lord has a plan. 
He designed Jericho to be nothing short of miraculous. He designed your life to come into a challenge for the very purpose of you being able to see. Look what God did. Look what God did. Over the years, I, I've tried to take the position that God often will bring us to places that we don't have the answer for. And for people who like to fix things, like me and you, you know, that's a little disheartening because you, you have it all orchestrated and it doesn't work out the way, but God gets the glory. To God be the glory, great things he has done, Andre Crouch wrote years ago. And it's still true today. God gets the glory. Okay, so I said I was going to give you a strategy. I'm going to give you some strategies that I think spiritual, Holy Spirit download strategies that will help you. Strategies that will make a difference in your life. Uh, look at verse 16. Shout for the Lord has given you the victory. First strategy, always advance in faith. Always advance in faith. Verse 2, then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. So, God often gives you a promise, and yet you may not see it come to pass immediately, but he still gives the promise. Israel had already heard from God that he was going to give them the land, and the people of Jericho knew that Israel was coming, and so they locked everything up. The enemy always knows when you're moving into his territory. And he's going to push back as much. But here's God's word is march. Everybody say march. March. He's calling us to march. In other words, that word actually means a military sense as you, you walk in a military manner. And you do it with confidence. You do it with certainty. The miracle working God has called us to walk with him, go with him as he takes us into our next Miracle. We start living in faith. In fact, in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, there's a lot of illustrations of faith. And this is one of the stories in the Bible that is captured in the New Testament as an illustration of faith. And chapter 11, verse 30, actually says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell. And after the people had marched around them for seven days, Reference back here to faith. When we are faced with a challenge, number one, advance in faith. Advance in faith. Listen, when things are slow and you feel like, can we get through this, and you don't feel like you're making progress, uh, you, you feel like it's one of those 10-hour flights to the other continents of the world, and you just say, when are we going to get over with this? Your kid's in the backseat. How much further until we get there? It's, it's life sometimes is that way, but I want to encourage you to continue to advance in faith that God is at work. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, so get the Word of God in you and begin to declare that Word in your life, knowing that God gave you a promise and you're going to stick with it. I don't know how God's going to bring down the walls of Jericho in front of me today, but I know that He told me to keep marching, keep believing, keep trusting, and let Him write a miracle story in your life that you can stand back and say, hey, look what God did. Not look what Bill did, look what God did. Second word, second word. 
is approach with praise. Approach with praise. Joshua 6, 9. All the time, the trumpet ram horns were sounding. Pastor Chip, have you ever heard a ram horn? Yeah, the ram horn's not going to make it on this platform, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> not in this church. About two decades ago, man, there was a big move. You know, everybody had to have a ram horn up on the balcony, and that called the presence of God. And some of them were terrible. I mean, if anything, I thought the presence of God was leaving. <laughs> I didn't think the presence of God was coming when I heard a ram horn. But in this context, we're not trying to start playing ram horns in the church. I don't think that would be a... a but it is an illustration of praising God. You approach your challenge by praising God. Some of you say, well, I'm kind of a reserved person. I'm not a shouter. I'm not very, and I'm not a verbal person. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're verbal. I've heard you shout. You're not as reserved as you want everybody to believe. There is a principle for all of us. When we face challenges, rather than complain, start praising God. Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually <laughs> be in my mouth. Now, there's a test to that when you come to a challenge. I remember at the end of um, our first year here as lead pastors in 1988, uh, things were, uh, were, were not going all that great. And um, uh, when I say that, I mean in the sense of the spiritual worship breakthrough. I didn't feel like there was a real expression of worship. Um, I'd come to service. We sang the songs. They were all good songs. We had service. We had communion. We did all those things. And God was being honored in the preaching of the word and so on. But I felt like there needed to be a breakthrough in the church. And Pastor Ron Cochran at the time came to me and said, hey, what would you think if we did like a worship workshop? And I said, let's do it. So on uh, the Saturday in August, we had a couple of uh, worship leaders come, and uh, several hundred people showed up and in the sanctuary right here. And we, we just worshiped the Lord and uh, the instruction about worshiping God. And it wasn't weird. It wasn't crazy. It wasn't wild. It was just a learning to praise the Lord and worship. For those who were on, on the platform to lead, those who were, were singing, asked to sing, and just the rest of us who just came to be a part of a worship service. We may not feel like we had the, the gift or talent of, of publicly singing uh, on, on, on stage, but we, we love the Lord. And you know, the next morning, the next morning, the Sunday morning, I walked into the service, and I felt like God had, I, has, I will always remember that there was a breakthrough on that Sunday. The atmosphere of the church began to change in services. People began to verbally, not just stand and watch, verbally engage themselves in the expression of worship to the Lord. And you know what it did? It moved us right along in a greater way. So what's my routine? Especially on Sundays, I begin to worship the Lord before I ever get here. I'm already warmed up. I've listened that help is on the way by Toby Mack. 
I've listened to uh, a variety of other wonderful songs, some that we sing here, some you would never sing, but I love them. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't listen to rap, I'll tell you that, but I do listen to songs that I understand. And I worship the Lord. Why? Because I have learned in the challenges of everyday life, not only advancing in faith, but approaching that challenge with praise that I am on the winning side. I am not going to be defeated. I'm going to get through this. The third thing I would like to say is avoid worthless words of doubt. Look at verse number 10. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Do not say a word. Here's how you, here's the download from the Holy Spirit on dealing with challenges. Don't spend your time complaining about the challenge. Do not say a word. It may seem a little unusual for people like me to say, do not say a word, but there are moments when you need to be quiet before God, and you need to not allow your mind or your words to take you into gossip and complaining. There's a little bit of that that goes on in a lot of churches around the country. People get caught up in gossiping and saying things that are unproductive, and that's not going to help the challenge. Did you hear? Do you think? And then we go into speculation. It's not even true. Now, I have to admit something to you. When I was in sixth grade, I missed much of the classroom experience. Are you, okay, you still with me? Because Mr. Dealey used to call my name publicly often because I spent more time talking to my neighbors than listening. And Mr. Dealey, in those days, I don't know what they would do today, but in those days he'd say, Mr. Wilson? I'd say, yeah. He said, you're talking too much, go stand in the hall. I spent a lot of time out in the hallway in sixth grade. I think I may have missed some history, some mathematics, some reading experiences, because I had a problem of talking all the time in the, in the classroom. And Mr. Dealey didn't like it. And I stood out in the hall day after day. And sometimes we miss the miracles of God because we're doing a lot of talking and not, listen, I'm not angry when I'm saying this. I'm just telling you from my experience, okay? I'm loving you. If this is just you and me across the table and you're drinking coffee and I'm drinking iced tea, I'm just telling you the truth that sometimes we need to be quiet before God and let him speak to us and sometimes in the midst of a miracle, rather than second-guessing him and telling him what he should be doing, we need to just be listening to what he says to do. And sometimes in moments like this in the life of a church, we just need to say, I'm not going to get involved in conversation that's unproductive. Words can hurt people. Words can be damaging, but they can also speak life when they're spoken at the right time. One of the great principles of confession is to keep your mouth shut, it says in my notes here. And I don't know where it came from, but it probably was good. So sometimes we need to just show up and shut up. Is, can you say that? Yeah, I can. Yeah. On the seventh day, verse 4, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. Anticipate. Here's the download. Anticipate the victory. On the seventh day, say that with me. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times. Uh, you see, 
Don't stop on day six. That's the day of man's number. Go the seventh day. That's God's number. I, I think this morning that one of the pieces of ministry here today for me is I'm here pushing you a little bit. Let's keep going. There's another day. Let's not stop too soon. Let's not miss the miracle of God's provision on this, the seventh day, on the seventh day. Let's, let's go. Let's march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. Verse 20, when the trumpets sounded, the people shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when people gave a loud shout, the walls collapsed. When we follow God's lead, a new normal, yes, we're going to have challenges, but we're also going to have stories of miracle provision that we will see. We'll look back and say, oh, now I see how God worked that all out. And sometimes we sit in these meetings and we think, oh, like, did we miss God? What, what's going on? And then we look back, oh, no. Thank you, Lord. At just the right time, the walls come tumbling down. And verse 11, or chapter 11, Hebrews 30, reinforces this again. By faith, the walls fell down. The obstacles become an opportunity. So there, my friend Greg Mundus lays in a coma for over 40 days. His wife, Sandy, a good friend, is praying and standing on the Word of God and refuses to be negative, but refuses to stand on the promise of God from Psalm 91, Psalm 47. Every day she's listening to encouraging worship music. She's praying and seeking God. She's learning to be silent in the presence of the Lord. And if you knew Sandy, that's not easy for her to be silent because she has some words. But she learned to be silent in the presence of God. And she began to envision her husband once again healed from his COVID-19. The battle went on for 60 days in that hospital in St. Louis. He almost died several times. Greg Jr., even though he was a trained physician, could not even go in and see his dad physically, but would stand at the window and look into the ICU unit where his dad was hooked up to all these machines, breathing for him and all. Then something remarkable happened. This 70-year-old man woke up. He opened his eyes. I said to him, Greg, what did you see? He said, I saw all these people in white hazmat suits. Understand, I've been in a coma for over 40 days. And the first thing I looked up, and there they were, looking at me. And they said, do you know where you are? And he thought at first he was in a wife, uh, sci-fi movie. He <laughs> Am I in outer space somewhere? Because all these people had white suits on and they were looking. He had no idea. The only thing he could remember is he's been in Europe. That's the only thing that, that had happened months ago. On Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, I sat next to Greg in a national meeting. There's no sign of COVID in his life. No brain damage. No physical limitations. He did go through some physical therapy to learn how to walk again. Every time I see him, 
I said, I've never been through a challenge like that. I've been through some challenges, but not like that. But the walls came down. It's a marvelous testimony. You can go on. It's been featured on CBS News. You could go and put in Greg Mundus' story on your, to this afternoon. You can read all the details. I've left out so much because of time today. All I want to say to you is, as we move into this new normal, let's pray for victories. Let's pray for uh, uh, God to use us to be involved and believe God for greater things because I think he's going to want us to walk uh, uh, another day around. Let's personally share our faith. Let's get involved. Let's believe God. And, and let's see what he will do in bringing down the walls and challenges of your life, whatever they may be. Because some of them I know are impossible in the human, but not with God. And Pastor Matt reminded us in our pre-prayer gathering this morning that nothing is impossible with God. There used to be a song we used to sing, God, any mountains? We could put the word walls you think are impossible. You know what? God specializes in things that seem impossible. When there seems to be no way, God makes a way. Let's pray this morning, shall we? Let's bow our heads. I've downloaded some things. I left out a few things, but I think you got the gist. The walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Only one family survived, and that was Rahab. That's another story for another day. A remarkable story. She even met, made it into the New Testament and the lineage of Jesus, Rahab, the prostitute from Jericho. She survived because she turned her heart to God. Father, we thank you this morning for these wonderful people who've gathered. We thank you, Lord, that you are on the throne. With your heads bowed, how many of you would just uh, stand right where you are and say, I'm faced with a challenge and I need a breakthrough. I'm going to stand in faith this morning that God's going to take me through this. Just stand right where you are this morning. That's it. Yep. I need a breakthrough. God's going to bring us through. God's going to provide. I'm going to have a, a Jericho story. Perhaps you've never surrendered your life to the Lord. Why don't you just stand as well and let this be your day. I'll tell you, that'll give you a breakthrough. Father, I stretch out my hands towards these who are standing this morning. They're faced with a challenge. They need a breakthrough. You're the God that brought down the walls of Jericho. Bring down these walls. Turn these stones into stepping stones. Turn this test into a testimony. Turn this struggle into a story of victory. In the name of Jesus, let's all stand together as we sing.
God, a big Praise shout this morning of victory. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The battle belongs to the Lord. I'm glad I got out of bed this morning and came to church. That message was good, Pastor. I really appreciated it. Just what I needed today. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace in your coming and going. May you know when you walk through these doors, you don't go by yourself. If God's for us, who can be against us? If you need prayer, there's someone down here in the front to pray with you. God bless you as you go. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us for our live streams at the 9 or 11 a.m. at live.pcctoday.com.